okay, there's 3,000 people a month that search for hairbrushes. It's going to cost you maybe $1.50 to get that person to click on an ad and get to your website. Okay, so it's going to cost you $1.50 every time somebody clicks on an ad. Now, in a good, a really good brand, maybe 5% of those people convert. Does the math even work for you? Because if the math doesn't work, go somewhere else. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecom Growth Show. Do I say hi now or do I wait? I'm pretty much brain fried at this point. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ecom Growth Show. Today we have with us Elliot Manson, who's kind of living the entrepreneur's dream right now, living on an <laughs> island called uh, Madeira. Off of Port- near Portugal, right? Or is it in Portugal? Yeah, so it's technically, uh, well, first, super good to be here. Um, but it's technically uh, a Portuguese, it's technically Portugal. Okay. Um, it's an autonomous region, so they kind of operate by themselves. And it's closer to Africa than it is Portugal. Um, okay. So it just kind of hangs crazy. out down here by itself. So, dude, you're in the water daily. You either yourself yes. or with with your girlfriend, are you seeing sharks the same way they do in Africa? Because I know you like you like surfing, swimming. I'm like, dude, if I'm there's gonna go surf in Africa, that's where like the right. most are, though, right? Uh, there's sharks everywhere, bro. All right, <laughs> but I think in in Africa, it's south, um, it's South Africa, so okay. it's the southern mm. eastern point of Africa. Where I would be more north northwest Africa. So okay. apparently, there's hammerheads here. But you have to go out a little bit deeper. I haven't seen anything. Um, and we go swimming daily. The water's super clear here. And to be honest, there's not even that much fish here. Um, okay. gotcha. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know if the water temperatures are a little too warm. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah, if there yeah, was, we don't see too much. If there was a shark to see out there, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a hammerhead. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd feel safe around Why a hammerhead? hammerhead? I don't know. I just really? I feel like they wouldn't attack me. Dude, I'd hate to see a white <laughs> shark or a bull shark, but a hammerhead boy. I don't know, dude. With those dude, their eyes, their eyes are way out here. They're just big, goofy looking things. You just grab on, just like over. laugh at it. <laughs> I don't know, dude. That freaked yeah, me out, maybe. Still. But hey, it's we're, a science back decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. It's actually what what sketches me out is when we're out in the surf lineup here in the the cold water. Uh, dude, just sea lions circling us. Yeah, those yeah, things give me the yeah, creeps yeah. a little bit, bro. I don't even like seeing. So a they seal. actually go out there and circle you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll just see them off in the distance, just like watching you, and they'll like poke their head up, and then you like see them over there. They're just like curious, though. They'll just like come look <laughs> at you. Okay, but it's like you okay. can't see once they're underwater. You're like, man, is my foot about to get bit off or what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we we don't have clear water, so it's like uh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. You don't see anything. Yeah, we dude. had a, we had a pretty epic store, uh, water story when we started. So we first started traveling, we did Mexico, um, for a little bit, um, a little town called Sayulitas, which is like a surf town off the Pacific coast of, in Mexico. Um, we went to the Dominican Republic and then we ended up here, but when we were in Mexico, we had taken paddle boards out. So Sayulitas is in a cove and we, we took paddle boards out just beyond like the cove where the cove ends and you kind of enter the deep ocean and we're sitting there and we're, we laid on our backs on the paddleboard and just are like watching the clouds, super sunny day. 
And all of a sudden, humpback whales start breaching all around us. <laughs> so we're sitting there on paddle boards in the middle of the ocean. And every probably like two minutes, a pair of two humpback whales would breach anywhere from like 30 to 50 meters from us. And it happened 45 minutes straight of just these whales. It was the most epic dude. like ocean experience of my life. That sounds freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a surreal moment for sure. Yeah, that's crazy, man. We have a buddy that runs water taxis here in Homer, and they had this video that went viral because a sea lion hopped up on the like back swim deck to get uh, out of the water, sure hiding, hiding from orcas, dude. And these orcas yeah. were just like circling the boat. You know what's sick though is orcas are so smart. Do you remember what happened after that? I forgot. So they're, they're like, they're out there with tourists. They have them on the boat and they're like, wow, that's so weird that this otter just hopped on our deck. Like normally they wouldn't come close to people. And then all of a sudden otter, the, that's right. the orca shows up and it's like, oh, that makes sense. It was running away from the orca. Well, dude, the orca, in spite of the otter and the boat, the next day skinned an otter and put it on the boat that it hit on. What? It's oh, like, oh my god! I forgot dude. about that, dude. It's like, those are what? some intelligent creatures. Killer whale, dude. It's like, oh, you thought you that could save one ridiculous. of these? Yeah, like, just, just <laughs> threw its skin up there. Frick, like, dude. How it even did that? How it knew what boat? Like, man, that thing is gives smart. me the creeps. I don't like, I don't like <laughs> that one. So, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> all uh, that to say. All that to say, uh, today, guys, so... Elliot Manson, he's actually on board at Shopanova and he's running our Google department. So today yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how you discovered your craft and then kind of crack open the conversation of uh, basically one that we've been revisiting a lot of times where it's like one channel is no longer sufficient for growing your online store. And then just kind of talk about some of the different nuances of using Google, uh, some of the cool things you've seen and, and how that tool can be effectively used for you and your brand. But, um, I think there's kind of a cool story there. Uh, that's worth sharing is like, how did you even get into this initially, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about where, you know, most of my life I had suffered from insomnia, but like, I wasn't really, you know, super excited to take, uh, you know, like a pharma drug to figure it out, mm -hmm. you know, felt terrible after, you know, every morning you felt kind of more tired than the morning, even you know, if you did get sleep. So it really didn't make any sense to me. And uh, so through that process, uh, back in 2012, I had worked with a manufacturer to kind of develop this like all natural sleep supplement. Because what I was doing was I was taking like nine different things to fall asleep at night, Jeez. just like melatonin, like five LTPH or something, a bunch of stuff that kind of was around muscle relaxation and like mental relaxation. Yeah. And so I was taking all these different things. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, why am I taking nine things to fall asleep? I should just be able to take one or two, all of the same ingredients, but fall asleep. And so I worked with a manufacturer and we kind of concocted a, you know, a, a supplement, um, you know, just like they're, they're all over the shelves yeah. and, you know, built a brand, spent all of my money building a brand and building a website. This was back in the day too, where you like, you actually had to have a web developer build a website. You couldn't yeah. just hack one together on Shopify or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you, know, you actually had to pay. And so all my money went to this and I was like, cool. I got this, you know, store with this product. 
but like nobody just randomly showed up to buy anything. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just so confused. I was like, what are you talking about? I have a website. Why aren't people coming here and buying stuff? Dude, that's like the biggest and, buzzkill for people. It's like, <laughs> if you build it, they won't come. Like, <laughs> I know. It's it like you get it up and it, even if it looks beautiful, it's like, dude, there's a lot of people who've had that experience. Yeah. Anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I didn't have any more money at that point. And I was like, cool. I guess I got to figure out like how to advertise. And the first thing I discovered was Google ads. And it just was, it was a very natural like sequence of events for me to understand, to just to be able to hop into Google ads and say, here's somebody searching for a problem. Now all I have to do is write an ad to help them feel like I can solve the problem that they're telling Google that they have. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, this seems simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and did that, turned it on. You know, back then it was like five cents a click or 10 cents a click. This was 2012, something like that. So, you know, super cheap in the advertising days. Yeah. Um, and it was just really fascinating to me that you could just target people that had a problem and just, you know, try to solve that problem, that very unique problem that they're having. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I discovered Google ads. Um, and the journey was kind of on from there. I just found it fascinating that um, how you could talk to customers because I was in sales at the time. So I was in sales mm-hmm. for a fortune 10 company. And wow. this was like, I didn't love being in sales, but this was like sales without actually having to be in sales. <laughs> totally, um, yeah. So it really worked out for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was just, uh, I mean, that's where it kind of all kickstarted from yeah. just trying to solve my own problem. Yeah. And now, and now today, like, again, there's so many just um, ebbs and flows of like what's going on in the marketplace, what e-commerce is, is doing in general. Again, we see the upward, the onward and upward trend. We see a little bit of pendulum swinging because of current events, you know, COVID kind of back and forth, people being online, people being in person. But the the overall data is like e-commerce is coming, it's coming to stay, and it's changing the way that we buy and sell products forever. And I think in that, everybody's trying to answer the question, well, how do my products get seen? And how can I grow my, my store? And especially if I'm you know, maybe uh, a smaller business, you know, maybe I'm below the $10 million a year uh, revenue mark or, or whatever. And they're just trying to figure out how to compete with everybody else who has really big budgets to to flood the marketplace. And so what we've kind of seen is that in 2020, it was kind of like an anomaly where if you could, if you could do one thing and do it well, you could scale pretty hard. But now it's like you really need to focus on the the overall brand development. You need to be showing yeah. up on several different channels. And so as, as in response to that, we've actually basically made the shift as a company from being just like Facebook ads and specializing in one thing that we felt gave people the most leverage to now being pretty much full service. And part of that is uh, teaming up with you, offering Google services. And it's been super awesome just seeing you build out that that department here, seeing the results you're getting uh, for our clients. And it's just been super, super awesome. I guess um, for people who are, you know, looking at Google ads, maybe they've never really ran them. What is just like some of the things that people should be aware of? Maybe some of the nuances, some of the, the benefits, how you think about it differently than other channels. And maybe just kind of tell us a little bit about the Google specific stuff? No, I mean, super good question. Um, you know, I think where people go, the, the, the wrong way to go is, or I guess I should start with the right way to go is 
Google is a supply and demand product. Mm-hmm. It, all you're doing is there's a demand out there of people searching for a problem that is hopefully your product's related to. And then there's a supply of people who service that problem, be that products or services or whatever that is. So if there's nobody searching for your problem, Google is the absolute wrong place to be mm-hmm. because then yeah. you're not actually serving like their problem. And, and the beauty of Google is you can figure out if people actually care about the problem that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just do your keyword research and you know how much volume is out there. And so I think the key to start with Google is just the research and understanding if your market even lives on the platform. If you're the super forward thinking brand and you've created a problem that you that you know people have, but people don't know yet that they have the problem, that's not the right place to be because they're right. they're searching for other things, totally. not what you can help them with. Totally. So it's really making sure that there's actually demand for your product on the platform because you can't. Where Google really falls short is if I sell a hairbrush and there's nobody on Google searching for a hairbrush, but they're searching for blow dryers. And I'm like, well, somebody who uses a blow dryer probably needs a hairbrush. Yes, that's true. But all Google cares about is the user experience. Mm -hmm. And if their user is saying, I want a blow dryer, like buy blow dryer, why would they show them a hairbrush? They have no interest in mm-hmm. cross-selling that user for your product. Totally. Um, so they'll do it. You just pay more. Um, so when you start to have to kind of like seek these external channels or these external problems, um, you start to have to reach a little bit on Google and it gets a little difficult mm-hmm. to um, really like convert and turn customers because they're not actually looking for what you are. Um, So the easiest way to get started is just making sure there's a demand out there and doing like some really solid research, keyword research within the platform. Um, Just understand like where, where your, where your numbers are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's just, it's numbers. It's um, this is, this is the beauty of Google versus other platforms is they tell you, okay, there's 3000 people a month that search for hairbrushes. It's going to cost you maybe a dollar fifty to get that person to click on an ad and get to your website. Okay, so it's going to cost you a dollar fifty every time somebody clicks on an ad. Now, in a good, a really good brand, maybe five percent of those people convert. Does the math even work for you? Because if the math doesn't work, go somewhere else. Because you're not going to force the math. You're not. You know, you can't bank on converting at 15% in order for your product to be profitable. Mm. You can't bank on Google telling you the cost per click is going to be $1.50 and that maybe you'll get it at 75 cents. It won't happen. So mm. you really, it's like doing the research and understanding the math and just making sure that the numbers even conservatively check out for your brand um, because otherwise you're just playing in the wrong space at this point. That's so awesome, too, because I feel like there's quite a bit of like the flip side of that is just a whole lot of risk mitigation based on your due diligence. So it's like I can actually do my homework and I can see like, yeah, I got a pretty good shot or it's like I'm not even going to try. And then one thing I thought I'd I'd point out is like in as marketers, we talk about all the different ways you can build your messaging and your your ad copy. And there's a huge difference between. Uh, selling to like a solution aware market versus somebody who's not aware of the solution. And I didn't, it, it was just hit me as you were talking, like 
Google is very much for a solution-aware market only. And so I didn't think about channels specifically being designated to one or the other. And the the example I would use is like a solution-aware market. You very clearly, people are aware of the solution. They're already searching for it. Uh, They're aware of the problem and they know how to fix it. They're just finding the the best fit for that. But then there's brands who have um, a market that's not solution-aware, for example, if you were maybe going to teach somebody how to run Google ads and, and they didn't know that was a good way to travel the world and, and move to all these cool countries mm-hmm. and stuff, your ad would maybe look something like quitting my nine to five job was the best thing I ever did. And then they're like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. why? Why is that? And they're not actually aware of the vehicle to get them to this cool lifestyle. And then they click it. They learn about the, the Google ads course and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just really cool to think like, about the channel as being designated uh, to very solution aware. And to me, it's like the way you described it as being very numbers driven. It just seems like a no brainer uh, for somebody. If they are set up and in a good position, it's like really easy just to turn them on and start getting results. Right. (laughs) I guess (laughs) it's always easy to just turn it on and get results. That's how it works. I I just sounded like one of our clients. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) I like your comment. I like how you phrase it, though, solution aware. Um, you know, it's a really interesting way to put somebody, you know, it's kind of like a more um, uh, like specific way than saying, you know, bottom of funnel or top of funnel or, you know, mm-hmm. it's really, um, you know, kind of identifying what that customer is even aware of. And that's I mean, that's where you play on Google. Google is mostly bottom of funnel type stuff. Like you want to find somebody who's who's pretty solution aware um, where I, where I've seen a lot of success. It doesn't work so much in e-commerce. It might work. So it works a lot more like a B2B lead gen or SaaS companies. Um, but it's companies who can lead with content and really, really good content because yeah. then you can kind of start, you can write content for something that's completely off topic of your brand, but you think the person who wants to read this might purchase your product and then you can actually run ads to that content if it's super cheap and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a way to kind of, it's like SEO, but you run ads to it just to kind of help. Mm-hmm. Um, but for e-commerce, like it's hard to write content for e-commerce totally. to, yeah. to, to build a, a true story. There are some people that do it well. Like I even think of Ezra Firestone. So he'll do like, he has beauty products for, you know, elder women mm-hmm. and he'll do blog posts on like, you know, nine, nine tips to age well or whatever and and to bring out the natural beauty of your age rather than try and hide it and conceal it with makeup and toner and all this stuff and so they're reading a blog post and it's like the nine helpful natural ways and then you know there's a plug at the bottom of the page for for one of his products and then to them it's really powerful because it feels it feels like a referred source it doesn't feel salesy Mm -hmm. it's not like hey come here and buy my product it's more, it's like providing value and content first happens in a blog post. And then it's like, by the way, uh, here's a way to bundle all of these, the top eight of these into one thing. And here's a quick and easy product for it. So I think there is ways to do it in e-commerce. It just, um, I think it, like you said, it, it takes the right product. Totally. 
Elliot, yeah. I have a question. Yeah, right. A good storyteller. Yeah, go ahead. So say someone's on Google, you know, and I'm just trying to figure this out myself. So say they're on Google, they're running ads, and they're starting to see some form of success. They got their targeting mm-hmm. right, starting to get sales coming through. Uh, how scalable is Google once once you're seeing results? Because I'm used to more paid social where you can just keep ramping budget almost unlimitedly, right. right? How does Google compare with that as far as scaling goes? Yeah, so Google's a little bit more challenging um, when it comes to scaling something that's working. Um, because if you have like this, let's say we have 20 keywords and and I'm, and I'm talking search only. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of nuances to Google and different things you could do that. Like, like YouTube is way more scalable than search yeah. Yeah. for the exact reasons that you just mentioned. But when we talk about search, so let's say you have a group of keywords, 20 keywords that are all kind of related to each other. And they're hitting awesome ROAS, um, really, really good numbers. Everything looks good. You're like, cool, I want to spend as much money as I can. Eventually, Google spits out this number of search impression share. Basically, it's saying, how much of the time can you show up? Have you showed up? And eventually, you'll cap that number out. And there's nothing else you can do about it. Um, So there's every good campaign, in theory, has a cap to it at a certain point, all based on how many people are actually searching for these these type of keywords. And so what ends up happening is you can kind of max out you know, uh, a campaign. And then you kind of have to start from a whole different one if you want to keep scale. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of got to, you know, build this new grouping of keywords um, and, and build out another campaign and, and kind of keep trying to scale these different aspects of it. Yeah. And then it's different if you have a massive product. If you have a product that's getting 2 million searches a month, then you can kind of almost scale it backwards. Um, yeah. Where on search, you can do something similar to Facebook where, you say, okay, I have these 2 million people who are searching for a product. I only want to show it to women who are in fitness. Mm. And then it'll only show those search results to women who are in fitness. You can kind of scale down and pick different audiences um, and kind of work it that way. But that's only for products that have a big enough audience. Um, Ones that don't, you definitely, you start to reach. And once you start to reach that, you know, return gets kind of cut down because you're not talking to the customers who are, you know, exactly looking for your stuff. So yeah, um, it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely harder to scale than Facebook, but it also doesn't break like Facebook Yeah, in the sense of Facebook. Like you're like, Oh, cool. We're spending $400 a day. And as soon as you go to 450, nothing works anymore. Totally. Um, and it reoptimizes generally. Right. Google generally, I, like I could have it at 400 a day, move it to 600 a day. Nothing's going to change all that much mm-hmm. um, or it'll kind of refigure itself out. Um, so that's where Google is super beneficial when it comes to scale. That's you know, awesome. I've heard that for YouTube even where it's like YouTube's pretty scalable as well. Like at big budget jumps once you're locked on. Right. Right. Say so, Yeah. And it's because so like even five years ago, Google's AI was not great when it came to ads. So they have a bunch of different bidding within the system, you know, like, target cost for acquisition. You just plug in a number and they do, a, they, they try to hit that number um, or like target ROAS and they'll yeah. always try to achieve that number for you. 
Um, five years ago, those systems did not work at all. You just you would plug that into a campaign, nothing good would come out of it. But as of like two years ago, a year ago, they've gotten really, really good at it. And so now once Google is one of those systems where once you have enough data, their system can really do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, it's just getting it good data. It's getting it enough data and the right data. Um, where a yeah. lot of things can get kind of screwed up is a lot of brands will have multiple conversions tracked. It's not just sales. They might have product page visits or checkout page visits that are all tracking as conversions. And then Google will start to pick this stuff up. And then they start to think, oh, cool. Well, if they reach the checkout page, that's a conversion for you. Let's optimize for that human being. Um, but in reality, if you have enough sales, you don't want to optimize for that human. You want to optimize for only that person who actually made a purchase. Mm. Um, so you really have to make sure like the data coming in is good as well. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're there, like it's, it's pretty achievable. Their system does a lot of the work for you now. Because at the end of the day, Google is made so any small business owner can turn on Google ads in five minutes and start spending money. It's not made for people like us who know how to like manipulate the system or, or work the ins and outs. They want any human to be able to turn it on in five minutes and spend money. So they, yeah. they have to kind of make it automated as much as possible or, totally. or automate some features of it. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I have a question too. If you could, and I think you've done it in a bits and pieces throughout this conversation. But if you could describe the person uh, or the brand who could most benefit from Google services right now, like what are the, I guess, what are the defining characteristics of somebody who's ready to start diving into Google? It's a really good question. Um, So a brand that has a built-in market. So a market that's searching for a problem on Google is obviously a key start to it. Yeah. Um, I would say you you would ideally want your average order value to be over $50. Um, this is yeah. primarily because Google is a little bit more expensive to get traffic than Facebook or yeah. a lot of the other platform platforms in general. So if you're having to pay two, two fifty a click, like there's not a whole lot of money to be made if your product is $25. Yeah. Um so it's a lot, in my opinion, it's a product that is has a decent price point to it, um, mm-hmm. enough for you to have some margin in there, um, or you have to be genuinely okay with like breaking even on Google and just saying, cool, I'm going to acquire a customer on this platform. I have no intention of having margin on my sales. I just want to get more customers and I'll resell them later with some yep. other stuff and I'll make up my customer lifetime value elsewhere. So having a market that's searching for your product, having a product that's likely over $50 um, and something that is, um, I would say, fairly transactional um, in the purchase. Um, it It being a product where you require somebody to do a whole lot of research um, or there's kind of this, there's a lot of uh, a lot of noise in the market about different products. Mm. Um, so one that we're like super familiar with was um, massage guns. Yeah, there are so many massage guns out there, and they're all so different, and they all have these different things, and their price points are way different. Some are fifty bucks, some are five hundred bucks. You're like, I don't know what I want, and so there's a huge research phase yeah. to a massage yeah. gun. Um, and you're, and and people are going to click on ads because they don't, some some people don't know better. 
some people are not in a buying behavior, but there's some research that is involved for something like that. Yeah. And so those products are harder because it's going to, the user is not going to click on an ad and purchase a 200, $300, $400 product the first time. Yep. They're probably yeah. going to need some time to warm up to a product like that. So something yeah. that's a little bit more transactional, um, you, you know, like I said, like, like a blow dryer, like, you know, people are going to, if they're, if they're searching for a blow dryer, they will probably see a cool looking blow dryer. And if it's in their price point, purchase it, be done with it um, yep. and, yeah. and call it a day. So yeah, price point, not a lot of research needed to make a purchase. Um, and there's actually demand on the, in the market for your product. And it'd definitely be worth trying at that point. And the numbers work out for you. Obviously there's financially, um, you, you know, you run the numbers and you're like, cool, I can either make money or break even. Um, you don't want to be losing money. Yeah, totally. Dude. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, if that's you, uh, I did that on purpose. We, we want to <laughs> connect with you and we want to help you out and help you grow and scale. But uh, Elliot, dude, thank you so much for, for hopping on today. Yeah, man. I, I really love just being able to kind of look at these channels individually, understand the different nuances, and then kind of just build your your arsenal of like what you're going to use to take your brand to the market. And uh, again, like Google, Facebook, these are some really big hitters. We've seen some really big, great results out of it. And so it was really cool just to, to bring you on and hear a little bit more about it. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. My man, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I also wanted to add, guys, if you're listening, you want to look into Google, uh, we're happy to do a free audit of your account. Elliot, our guy here, will look through it all, see what's going on, see if it's viable for your business, and we can kind of make a plan, a roadmap for your business from there. But thanks so much, guys, for listening. If you liked it, please share it with someone, subscribe, do all the good things, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.